Welcome to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show number 354 with your host, Lauren Gray. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hospitality Marketing, the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Gray, and this is episode number 354. So each week we spend around 20 to 30 minutes sharing the most interesting tools, news, and techniques being used in marketing for the hospitality industry. We also do a quick recap of our weekly live TV show, This Week in Hospitality Marketing, which also airs every Friday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time on the Hospitality Channel TV. So with that, let's get started. And now, today's new resource tool. So our tools for review this week, I have to say, is probably the most tools we've shoehorned in in discussion. So we'll go through the list of them and get to target with our technique discussion as to why these tools are being brought up. They are literally not the same, but for all individual purposes. So let's quickly go through the tools. The first we've mentioned before and have referred to it a few times, and that is socialinsider.io. Socialinsider.io allows you to look at any social platform within Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, excuse me, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, uh, certain select social channels, and will give you an insight as to their total uh, participants, uh, the frequency of their posts, the types of their posts, the percentage of engagements, incredibly insightful social media platform tool. The next one is Spyvio, uh, S-P-Y-V-I-O. Uh, dot com and Spyvio is used for all those times you'd like to see what the e-commerce funnel is, usually CRM, more specifically CRM, that a person has in the sense of what happens if you sign up for the newsletter, what happens if you sign up for more information, what happens if you sign up for their promotions, what funnel do you get placed in as to what do they send you, how often do they send it, what's the dynamic fields that are put into it based on the information you provided for it. It gives you a wonderful insight to competitively look at what people are doing in their own CRM commerce funnels. The next tool is Awario. Awario, A-W-A-R-I-O.com, is a listening device, is the best way for me to describe it, that really talks about a, a, a tremendous amount of platforms that really monitor everything from Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Reddit, YouTube, Vimeo, vlogs, forums, news, the web. It literally will track based on keyword, based on topic, based on web links, what you want it to find out for what's being used and said about whatever you've told it to chase after. It also does a wonderful, and we've used this in other discussions about influencers, look at who posts about them, whatever you put in there, yourself included for self-analysis, but it, it shows who's your influencers, who's your undiscovered influencers, and what have you, but that is awario.com. The next tool is one that we haven't mentioned in quite a while, but I use it quite regularly, and that is Adzula, A-D-Z-O-O-L-A.com. Adzula is a tool that helps you clear up What's happening in YouTube? Uh, you can look at it by topic. You can look at it by um, the particular product and you know, the, who a company or what have you to see what their presence is on YouTube and how well do they rank, what they rank for, how you rank in comparison, what you should look at what they're ranking capable of. It's a wonderful way of looking at and discovering YouTube presence, YouTube volume, and undiscovered channels in relationship to YouTube uh, as it relates to yourself or clients and or competitors or what have you. So that is 
our other tool, Azul.com. Our next tool, and I'm rushing through them because I still have three more to go, is visualsitemaps.com. Visual Sitemaps is a really, really cool tool to go and put any website in tell how deep you want to dive into that website and it will create a visual representation with links and everything about them examples of the pages that you can click on and go to the page and look at of a site of a website so you can look at anybody competitor yourself uh, for any reason whatsoever it will pull up and dive as deep as you tell it to how many extra chain uh, links it wants to follow and so forth a visual representation to know the wireframe infrastructure of a website how flat is it how interconnected is it what does it refer to how is it segmented out how is it related to other websites it's a wonderful visual wonderful visual and research way of looking at a website holistically and say well this is what it is built as and this is how it's connected as and that is visualsitemaps.com our next tool is an old tried and true one that i've used over and over and over referred to it many many times as a great research tool and that is serpstat.com s-e-r-p-s-t-a-t.com serpstat is an amazingly excellent seo tool you can put in any website now of course it really kicks in the value of it if you have ability to access google analytics associated with that website and weather because then it'll pull that data into what it discovers but even if just that flat value of looking and researching by putting in a domain it will go in and show you what's wrong and right with it by pages the technical issues the technical positives total volume of traffic keyword usage hyperlinks header tags anchor text it goes through and really breaks down the review of a website even if you're not connected to google analytics and google webmaster tools and that is serpstat.com our last tool in collection eclectically as it is is called ispionage.com i-s-p-i-o-n-a-g-e.com ispionage is much like spy foo we've thrown it many times around in discussions is to the discovery tool about what people are doing in paid advertisement how well they show up what their ads actually look like what is the estimated volume of those ads what the estimated cost of those ads are to be in the positions that they're in it's a great tool to dig into but not just on google but on bing not just that but also seo it has seo functions to it as well but to really dive into looking at what a competitor might be or researching things um, as to a website's advertising campaign in paid media in paid google and paid being and well as its seo stuff so those are our seven tools all very different as to what they perform and do which will ultimately bring to our discussion in a moment with our technique of the week but the tools once again are socialinsider.io spyvio.com awario.com adzula.com visualsitemaps.com serpstat.com and ispionage.com probably the most tools we've had under our tools for review this week which brings us to our technique of the week now for this week's hospitality technique so our technique this week wondering why we have so many tools all very different is our technique for discussion this week is how to start a discovery call right the research that works I have had the pleasure displeasure of being on several discovery calls where I'm not necessarily the lead person in the discovery call discussion. I'm a participant in it, whether a vendor is coming in to have a discovery call with my client and I'm there as representation for the client and or also I'm there as other vendors are presenting their discovery discussions as they show their part of contribution to the discussion that we've been all called together for. I unfortunately have witnessed cringeworthy moments of naivety 
that could have been avoided. Uh, details, perspectives, and opinions that were not based on fact and or any level of research in which it made the person that was discussing them that less effective and also that less trustworthy and or that less trusted in the sense of their validation of their points. Discovery calls are, to coin a phrase from Star Trek, um, first contacts are the most treacherous conversations because there is no prior basis to refer to in your discussion. You are literally discovering each other in the call. But it doesn't mean you can go and need to go in blind, that you are unaware of things and that you have to ask literally to describe the color blue and or why are you here and what's your business when you should already know a lot of the things of why you're being discussed and talked to in a discovery call. But unfortunately, I see all too often more the norm than the exception, or as an exception, the fact that most of them don't come in prepared. They literally look at the discovery as a call of, okay, I'm gonna come in and we're that's our chance to ask questions. Unfortunately, the types of questions you ask play a part into the perception that's being formed of you as a provider of services. If you ask, for lack of a better way, dumb questions, you're going to get less respect from a client relationship that you really don't know what you're here for and or you're not even familiar enough with what they do to know how you can help, which is the real key issue about discovery calls. I'm not here to bash all discovery calls. I'm here to get into solve a purpose of discuss why we have seven tools in our tool review list and our technique is related to doing discovery calls right. All of the tools that we just referred to have a component that adds to a collective perception that can help create better questions in your discovery call process with a client. This is in reverse also when it comes to as a client talking to a vendor and the research that you would hope you would know about who you're dealing with so that you better know who you're talking to, better know who the resources are, and better know their value of service propositions to you. So it can go both ways is what I'm trying to say. But it truly helps from the vendor upwards to the client that they drew their due diligence. Now, there is a lot of general things to search, like Google Trends and things like that, Trend Masters and what have you, uh, BuzzSumo and so forth, that will give you a, a credence as to the market activity of the client, as to things around them, and you can sound better informed that you're talking about present day things that are probably close to being true than they are being guesses. But this is about really researching them as a client more so than what's around their business. It's fine to say that you know the restaurant around the corner is a real popular one, but how does that relevant to what you're doing with them and unless the restaurant's important in their discussion? So just saying, well, I was in that town once and oh yeah, you're really cool downtown. It's got a statue in the middle. That's just small talk. That's trying to show that I'm not totally alien to where you are, but it has no relevance to the actual discovery conversation, the logistics of service, what it is that you are trying to help them with as to the purpose of why you're even in this call for discovery. That's where these tools come in. So let's translate the tools into a function. Socialinsider.io is a great tool to really look at what they as a client have been doing. That's the first easiest level of value to the, from this platform. Where are they? How often do they post? How much of engagement does their posts actually have? 
What times do they tend to post? Is it schedulable? You can see that from the pattern of posting. Or is it more event-driven or situationally based? And that gives you a sense of where they are for social media. What's their content that's most uh, engaging? What content tends to fall flat? Is their content engaging? Are they even posting? These are questions that get answered by simply using the tool Social Insider. If you want to take it to the next level beyond that, use it to discover who they're competing with and see what they're doing socially. See, then now you have a difference of uh, not only knowing what your client is currently doing, but what their apparent competitors in the space are doing in contrast. That gives you a great value to your conversation of discovery with them because now you can actually refer to data in context to the questions and or possible solutions offered in the discovery conversation. Next tool for this conversation, spyvo.com. That tool helps you see what CRM is being done by them. If you sign up for their newsletters, their contests, their, their contact information, their promotions and so forth, what are they doing so that you can speak to what you're already aware of rather than uh, asking the general blank question, so what you do for email. You can actually answer it before you get to them. So now you have a more pointed question of when you do this, why did you wait three days before re-triggering an email to them? And why did you keep the subject line the same? Wouldn't you, what, what, what was the rationale? Not to condemn them for right or wrongs per se, but ask, understand their methodology of why they built things. It gives you a much more insightful, informed question process with them. The third tool under discussion, Awario. This listening tool is absolutely critically valuable. What is the overall perception of your client in the world? What's being said about them? What do they say about themselves? Historically, what's been said about them? How far back are they been a newsworthy item? How far back have they been socially engaged with their with the people that talk about them and their products and services? How much about where they are located in all the pantheons of platforms that they can be in? How much presence do they have in them? And how much do they engage with those people that engage with them on those platforms? It gives you a very good perspective of awareness about the client's involvement in these platforms and their value. Are they just having a Twitter platform because it has an account? Or are they actually using it? It gives a great perspective of that. And how fast do they respond or do they even respond to things that are mentioned about them via hashtag or their actual direct name or on their actual dialogue on their channel to know whether or not they're actively involved in that channel as well. So things like Awario are incredibly helpful for that process. The next one is Azula.com. Do they have a presence in rich media? Do they have, and most the default platform that most rich media goes on is YouTube. It's free, it's easy. Of course, YouTube exploits all of that, but the idea is that the channel is the first go-to when it comes to rich media videos and its usage. Who's in that space? Um, where is it that they represent themselves? How do they represent themselves? And of course, as with all of these channels, the next layer of dialogue with that is quite literally, and who are they competing with and what are they doing? That's the natural progression of that. And of course, the next tool I wanna to talk about is visual sitemaps. Just looking at where they are and what they are, how built out are they? How broken are the things are, or are they well-related? Are they connected? How deep of a website? Is it a good navigation, poor navigation in the sense of just general usability, UI face value? visualmaps.com uh, does a huge uh, value to that in giving you a sense of the size of their website, the content build of their website, the diversity of their website. Is there a lot of dead zombie bones in the closet pages that are for things that don't longer exist and have never been updated? And how well are they indexed? Brings us to the next 
tool, which is SERPstat? How functional is their website performing on a technologically uh, technological level? How many links do they have? How many really good anchor text are they using? Header tags using content uh, optimization, keyword usage, ranking and presence against not just what they should show up for, but how well they compare themselves to the competitors in the market that sh are showing up for the same things that they are showing up for, and what are they missing that the competitors are showing for that they're not. SERPstat's a great tool for that. And the last one to discuss about all this is where are they spending their ads at? How much money are they spending? What do their ads look like? How often are they running? How long ago did they run? How many places are they running in? Or is it just Google? Is it just Bing? Is it neither? Is it both? Um, what is their competitors like? How well do they play against their competitors in the paid organic, paid or paid space as to how well they're positioned against their competitors? Obviously, if you keep asking the competitor questions throughout all these tools, you'll get a very finite and solid comp set. It, it lends itself to a great question with them as to who they see as their competitors because you might be surprised that the comp competitors that you've discovered in these tools processes don't match who they think they're competing with. Sometimes that's tainted by a star report that's more financially based than it is market based. Sometimes it's for the perspective that they're unaware of who they're competing in the online space. But by knowing these perspectives or at least asking the questions related to the discoveries you've had by using these tools, the conversation of the discovery call isn't as naive as I've witnessed, is not as plutonic of like, oh yeah, this is kind of fun. Let's just talk about fun stuff and small talk. And you know, I've visited your area and I know what you're kind of talking about. And oh, you're the hotel that's around the corner from that ride. And sounding like you know about what you're talking about, but it has no relevance to really talking about what you can do with them. Of course, all of these tools usages and the discovery call is based on what they're bringing you to the table for, even if it's only one aspect of what these tools to provide. Having a nice broad spectrum of perspective of the client on all facets means that you have a better idea as to what you can do about the one thing you've been asked to do for them by knowing all the things they're doing for themselves so you're not operating in a bubble and not giving bad recommendations that would deter from other things they're doing on other platforms that you're not directly connected to simply by not knowing what they're being that what they're doing on those platforms telling them to do great huge ad campaigns as an example on a website that can't support it with good landing pages is counterproductive by the same token talking about what you should do on social media for organic posting when they're not already actively on it means that you have to take 10 steps backwards to first get actively on it and create a media plan of content associated with what you're going to do organically so you have a basis of dialogue to generate with to create a better paid social campaign. All of these things are connected. So again, our technique discussion this week is how to start a discovery call right, the research that works, the tools we discussed, seven of them, give you an aspect. There are many tools for each of them as well. These are the ones I use most of the time, but there are others. Um, that gives you a, a leg up on each of the classifications that they're built and designed for. So hopefully that gives you some perspective from if you're providing services for a client that going in as prepared as you could be, asking the questions you can answer for yourself before asking them of the client, going deeper into things that you can research like comp sets and how they rank and how they compare and so forth and so on, understanding what their potential budget spends are already and all the other things that these tools help you provide means that you can ask much more concise questions, really impress from the client's perspective your 
insights as to things that they hadn't shared with you but that you found out on your own and their more willingness to add, listen to your outside insights of things that they didn't think about that because of your research you can ask questions that make them think about what they're doing and maybe expand the, the requests that they have of you and your role with them because they feel in confidence that you have a keen eye and a willingness to dig deep into the things that they didn't that they think you need to know to be better at what they're asking you to do so there you go technique of the week how to start a discovery call right the research that works now this week's hospitality news that you should know news and show review the show that today was good better best how well are you representing your work environment we talked a lot about context um, we have had many discussions these past few months about HR and the limitations that we have placed upon ourselves and the frustrations of what the pandemic has inflicted upon us that exacerbated the situation prior to the pandemic of our HR woes at the time. And we talked a lot about how to change our modalities as to just not going into it in the old ways we used to do it, which was posting what we were wanting identifying the criteria to even consider you for it and offering nothing about who we are and also what we're offering in compensation for all the things that we're asking for. We've done that a few times, but what we really talk now about is looking at how you represent yourself on all mediums associated with your culture, your spirit, uh, your your mindset, your value propositions. And this is done through a lot of means on social as to what you share um, how you share it, how what verbiage you use to share it with, how do you refer to yourself, and how to, when you share content like job position availability and as much as events that you're contributing with, sponsorships that you're part, being a part of, how does that all add into a consistency of a persona as, an, of a, of, as a business that regardless of your multiplicities of properties and or of your individual properties, whatever it is, that you can feel that you are consistent with what you say you are in your actions, in your communications, and in your, your relationships with your team members and how do they express their relationship with your, your business. We've known already, uh, especially with kind of graduations rolling out next week and what have you in a variety of places, that income salaries and things and so forth for skilled position roles are going to be hard to fill from our perspective because it's a it's a per, it's a, a person's market coming out of college is probably one of the easiest times to find a job now for what they want to do and they're not just basing on who has the best salary that they're offering a lot of it has work balance ratio health and mental stability um, remote versus non-remote for those skill sets that have that opportunity and on and on there's high priorities in a variety of things other than hope to get a job and hope I get paid enough to I know you want to offer me more money but I have better value of culture with this company over here than what you've presented for yourself so even though you try to put some lipstick on and smile and look all cute when people are looking at your job fairs they just have to scratch the surface and look at what content do you share what's the perception of your state your team members about who they work for you being the company and what overall are you saying about yourself by how you present what opportunities exist with you is it all about me 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 what i want what i need or are you out there sharing the fact that you're willing to listen to what it is that they want and how much you can contribute to it so that was our general discussion overall in the good better best categories of it um more in depth, more detailed, more example actions. Really fun conversation we had about it. Uh, as a what to do about it, really. We got 
much more concise about how to actually inflict more of these changes on ourselves to better improve our standing with people's perspective of our companies. The news that I'd like to hit is very timely in my sense uh, for what's going on right now. We're in May, rolling to June, believe it or not, I know. Um, we're in that transitional spring to summer. We're past spring break cycles, Easter having been behind us, what have you, uh, Mother's Day and so forth. Now we're, we're rolling into Memorial Day upcoming, okay, in just a matter of week plus. And that is the unofficial official start of summer cycle. We've talked about gloom and doom, negativity aspects of what's going on with COVID growing up in numbers again for yet another new variations that I've lost track of five since the last of the last, where they don't really name it as much as they just referred in general as to COVID now because of it has BA2, BA5, it has all these variations to it. It is COVID. It is um, a part of our lives, part of our culture, and, and we have things that have impact to it on higher levels, lower levels, what have you. Uh, but there's also inflation. There's also cost of living. There's also uh, um, uh, supply funnel issues. Of course, we have political, uh, global uh, political instabilities, uh, war and so forth in Ukraine, impacting things like whether to take a trip to Europe or not, impact on European economies about gas being provided by Russia or not being provided by Russia, the impacts on the local economies associated with that fluctuation, our own gas prices, which as much as we complain about it, are the lowest gas prices in the world for the most part. Um, in comparison to so many other places. But in context, we love complaining and that fits the mold. Um, we have the fact that there is uh, workload requirements now as people go back into their mainstream work environments, uh, vacation windows, vacation durability, uh, all of the costs associated with rent, the escalation of cost of living and so forth. These are all the negatives. But with all that being said, the news article that we want to refer to is out of marketwatch.com, and that is summer travel isn't just heating up, it will be on fire. This is their forecast. More travelers are hitting the road this Memorial Day weekend, but we'll pay more for airfares and gas prices. Well, we know that airfares have gone up from 43 to 47% uh, same time last year to now. There is a lot of sold out airfares. There is a shortage of pilots. So there's a shortage of supply, which means there's always an escalation of rate. We know as hoteliers, we ourselves are not looking to discount ourselves because we're anticipating demand cycles, which we have talked on the show many times before, of not probably being the tsunami of pent-up demand that was last summer in the sense of the first chance to get out from being under quarantine. But it will be very similar, if not close to it, in the sense of overall demand for all the people that didn't go last summer that are now adding to the rosters of the people that are going again this year. So expect those things to be high. We talked about the increments of gas pricing going up for every additional dollar spent on gas. It actually has a negative impact of $1.63 on other items uh, that are spent for in a travel. We know that on average, there's there's two travel opportunities per year for most families, from families of two to families of four. Uh, one is more holiday related, which of course the highest one is Christmas, followed by Thanksgiving, followed by Mother's Day, followed by Easter. Uh, there, those are the higher priority traveling opportunities for this. Um, with that, we know that the other trip is a longer duration, length of stay usually longer. Uh, and for that, that is usually around summer. If it didn't occur in spring, spring break, which is the other high window travel opportunity, it travels higher in summer, which is the primary secondary travel opportunity, length of stay being it. Of that, 
It depends on between flight and drive. We went through a whole conversation about the distance of travel for drive market, the incremental costs associated with gas and the negative impact on things like accommodations, attraction, entertainment, uh, monies being spent, and then, of course, things like eating. Those are the three main categories associated with travel outside of your drive travel market. Obviously, if you're flying, it is the travel of transportation to get there, your flight cost, and then the other three correspond thereafter. There is the fact that people will probably spend past their means. We had a very good live live show last week about the point of transaction uh, Loans that are out there right now uh, being made available that says don't pay now, pay over increments of time. That is allowing people mentally to think that they can stretch these costs of travel beyond their current cash flow to make a higher amount that they can spend, irregardless of the high interest rates they'd have to pay for that. So this whole perception from Market Watch of it isn't heating up, it'll be on fire, is probably close to being true, minus any, of course, unforeseen tragedies of meteor flyings and or other things, as you know. We're so used to such radical things now, it almost sounds kind of humorous to, to be sad about saying that. Um, but the idea is that we know that there is going to be a very large demand. It's going to be very expensive. Everything costs more, including rent, credit card um demand and costs are incredibly high because where all the cars were sold off for lack of use two years ago since then we have a supply issue about chips so a lot of cars bank out of the market they're better to be sold retail for consumers than they are to be given at a lower price for rent-a-car agencies so rent-a-car agencies don't have as much inventory as they had but demand is up 1400 percent some astronomical freaking amount. And so prices are at a premium, if even available in most markets, most destination markets like the Orlando markets, the New York markets, on and on and on. So all of that being said, summer is going to be an interesting, as always, uh, moment of discovery for expected demands. Uh, the idea is, is that we have to adjust how we plan for the unforeseen and knowing that we have to have conditions based on channel contribution changes. We talked about dynamic budgets in shows past, and we talked about dynamic marketing spends in times past based on channel acquisition and channel contribution. So the whole article, Summer Travel Isn't Heating Up, is just on fire for MarketWatch. Great dialogue about things to look as markers, but also as an anticipation of knowing how to be balanced in your preparation for this summer season coming up. So remember, you can find us on Google Play, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Pandora. The list goes on. 39 platforms and counting. We're even on Amazon's Alexa, Google Assistant, and Siri. Simply ask any of them to play the Hospitality Marketing Podcast, and you'll be playing the latest episode, which up until next Friday will be this one. But no matter which one you may use, please smash that subscribe button. It allows us not only, and give us a comment, I should say, and it allows us not only to go over and hear your feedback and add whatever it is you're requesting of us into the context of the podcast, but it also allows others to discover our content as well if you find it beneficial. And of course, if this is your first time hearing us, by all means, bang on that subscription button on the platform you discovered us or go to the end of the 38 platforms we're on and subscribe to us there if you would prefer. Um... As always, the archive of this podcast and our live show is forever represented in our show channel of hospitalitychannel.tv. That is our website that plays like I Love Lucy reruns repetitively over the course of the nine years that we've been doing the live show and 17 years of the podcast. Um, you'll be able to play back all episodes and look and research old episodes for it. Of course, our live show, um, which is on TV, we simulcast our live show always each week on Facebook 
Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter, a multiplicities of channels on all of those. Plus also Twitch if you're into the game mode or the gaming box uh, media world. Uh, but also more importantly on our TV station, we have a TV station channel i should say um and that is on roku it's on amazon it's on uh, fire sticks and kindles and what have you or kindles i uh, fire sticks and the amazon prime tv and also on uh, google tv um and also on uh, Apple TV. You can find, just look for the Hospitality Channel. The live show is always on the free side of that. There's a pay gateway for additional content, just like Netflix and all the rest of them. But the live show is always on the free side. You can catch us every week on TV as well. So with that, uh, please remember that we do have the live show, which live broadcasts every Friday morning, 11.30 a.m. Eastern U.S. time. We also recast that live show on Wednesday, 11.30 a.m. Sydney and 11.30 a.m. London time, Wednesdays. Um, so you can catch us there. And they are also archived also on our website at hospitalitychannel.tv. So that, my name is Lauren Gray. Thank you for the privilege of your time. And I look forward to talking to you next week. You have been listening to This Week in Hospitality Marketing, the podcast show 354 brought to you by Hospitality Digital Marketing and in support of the HSMAI, Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International, all right reserved copyright 2022.